if you're going to be successful, you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have some scary moments. You're going to have some big victories, right? And then you're going to have those, those valley moments. And you just got to keep going. And going doesn't mean you're always ready. I'm Raphael. I'm Cecil. Welcome to Family Man Building the Brand, the podcast that explores what it means to be a father, husband, and a businessman. Join us as we talk to entrepreneurs that are winning at home and in business. Join us as we talk about their journeys, family life, and tips for success. What's up, people? Welcome to another episode of the Family Man Building a Brand podcast. So today we have a guest and his name is Mr. Timothy Bond. I'm going to give you a brief overview of Timothy and he's gonna, I'm going to introduce you to him. I'm going to let him talk about who he is and then we're going to get into this whole thing. But firstly, welcome, Timothy. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome in, boss. Thank, thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Nestle and Raphael. For yeah, us. man, no doubt. So uh, I'm going to give you a brief overview about Tim. Tim is a published author and a ghostwriter. He is the CEO and founder of True Vine Publishing Company, and he's a publishing coach. Tim is passionate about empowering and equipping independent authors with the training, support, and high-quality products for successful and lucrative publishing career. So again, welcome, Tim. And with that said, I know that was a lot to unpack for some people who <laughs> maybe listening to right. me speak a little faster on this one, but I would like you to tell the audience a little bit more about you, who you are, and what you do. Well, I appreciate it, man. You gave the formal, you know. I had to. I, yes, But that encapsulates, you know, what I do as a, as a career. Most important, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man of God. One, I'm a husband. I'm a father, and everything I do is based on those three things, man. Okay, you know, being the best man of God I could be, being the best husband I could be, being the best father I could be, and fighting for that legacy, like we were just talking about earlier. Yeah. fighting, lay that foundation so that when we get to that time where it's time for us to, you know pass on our legacy, pass on our heritage. We'll have something passed out to our kids. So, you know, I I, I found my passion in writing, my okay. skill in writing, and my passion is in helping people. And I, I always tell people when you combine your, your gift and your passion, then you'll find your purpose. My gift being writing, my passion being helping people led me to helping people write books. And I've been doing this since 2004. When I wrote my first book and created this business, just so my book, so that my book would look professional, and after that, people began to come to me asking me to publish their books. Nice. And so, you know, since 2004, I've been blessed to publish authors around the world, hundreds of authors throughout the U.S. in Jamaica, Bahamas, and Switzerland. So that's nice. a little bit about me. No doubt, up, man. Perfect, man. That's kudos, man. I mean, that's, you know, that's, this, kudos to you. Congrats for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. This is an interview talking about a topic that, honestly, man, I don't know much about. So I'm crazy intrigued. But so, so don't get me wrong. I've heard a lot about this, but this wasn't something that I even considered touching because it seems so intricate. Because it wasn't the sexiest sector. You know, th these are things that everyone wants to do business that. It's popular and that everyone knows about and it's sexy and oh, blah, blah, blah. This is a sector that I know is lucrative. And to have someone like you on board, 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really want to dig in so you can unpack this, man. Now, okay. now starting from the beginning, Timothy, you know, I want to I want to get to the basis of this. You know, you, you are I'm not going to say you seem like you are a very spiritual man. You love your family much. And and, you know, secondary to that is business. So tell me a lot about your childhood. You know, any faith memories, anything specific in your childhood that helped mold you to the spiritual family man that you are now? Yeah, actually, it's very interesting. You know, uh, my father and my mother, they were both entrepreneurs. uh, And they were also very religious, spiritual. So my father, funny stories that that really kind of shaped my mindset about entrepreneurism. My father one day when I was a kid, he he called out and he said, Hey, Tim, bring me me my my suitcase, right? Uh, You all know. Especially black kids, when your parents tell you to do something, you get up, you get it done, right? So I get yes, up, I go get this suitcase, and then I get to the door, and he reaches out, grabs the suitcase, and then he says, how much do I owe you? <laughs> and I'm like, what was he owe me? You know, <laughs> like, like that, when daddy says do something, you do it. You never, I never even considered the, the notion that I should be asking for money. But his, what do you want to like teach me that uh, entrepreneurialism, right? He said, never do anything for people without expecting to get paid, right? When you provide a service, you should get paid for that service. When you solve a problem, you should get paid for solving that problem. And so that was my first introduction into the ability to use my body, my body, my skills, my whatever to create income for myself. So that that's that was kind of my introduction to okay. entrepreneurialism. Like I said, just we grew up in the church. I don't know about y'all, but me and my brothers, we were in church all day, almost every day. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, man, and, I know I know those types of families, man. Hey, exactly. Right, right, right. I mean, yeah. That's interesting that you say that. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you grew up with both parents being entrepreneurs, being spiritual. And that's the first thing you you mentioned most for us. I mean, I, I kind of grew up in a family where it was 50-50. And I mean, growing up, I don't think we were familiar with the word entrepreneurship. I mean, for most of uh, just, I mean, my, my background, but my father necessarily wasn't, my mom was. And, and the same thing with Ralph. I think we grew up in, yeah. in an environment where we were, I, I grew up in an environment where not just my parents, but my entire society used the word learning is better than silver and gold. And it's just putting a premium in education and not saying nothing else is important, but that's, that's kind of like the path to your success. So to hearing that, I mean, what was it like? I guess, do you feel like that is really what took you in that path to, okay, well, this is what I see and this is what I've become. Yeah, I believe that's all I knew. Right. Okay. Like I wasn't the best student. Like I'm not a, I'm not ashamed to say it because <laughs> I believe education is important. I think what we need to do is understand that there are so many ways of education, right? Mm-hmm. If you were to go, let's let's imagine you went out into the into the forest, right? And you found people who didn't talk English, they didn't they didn't have schools, they lived in a tribe. I guarantee you they would survive and you would probably, you know, perish. <laughs> right. Because they have the education for their environment, right? So what happens is we, we're in a system that says, well, there's one way of learning 
And if you buy into that notion that I'm only good based on the number of degrees I have, you're going to cut yourself out from a lot of opportunities, right? And so uh, I think I love the statement that you said, you know, learning is better than gold, but what kind of learning, right? Are we talking about book learning or are we talking about, you know, agricultural learning? And so we've got to learn to focus on what is going to help us reach our purpose and our potential, right? And so for me, you know, uh, it wasn't that I was great at school. In fact, man, I was, I would, I would do just enough to pass, right? I was a class clown because I wasn't a fast reader. Uh, I wasn't great at math, right? I just was not the kind of student that in a uh, traditional classroom where you had to sit down and listen to uh, somebody talk for an hour. It just wasn't for me, right? But what I learned is that I could write way better than I could talk. Like, I I got words that they get in my brain. I would probably never use them in a verbal conversation, but when I'm writing, these words are flowing out of me, right? And so it, it was just always like, okay, that's what I can do. Now, how can I make it a business, right? And so at first, the traditional thinking was, okay, I'm going I'm to publish a book. And like I said, I... I was actually working as an editor at a publishing company. Okay. So I, I'm not anti-job, right? So like, <laughs> you know, I'm not anti-job. You have to provide for your family. You have to provide for your needs. So yeah. if you are taking that entrepreneurial pathway, do understand that there may be times where you can't do that full time. You have to get the money to pay for your bills and take care of yourself. Definitely. But pushing towards those entrepreneurial goals. So I was working as an editor at a, a publishing company. I I had the network of professionals who knew how to direct me. I was an editor, so of course I could edit the words, but, you know, cover design, understanding registration, copyright, how to get your ISBN number, all that stuff was right there at my fingertips, right? No. So I created this company name because I was self-publishing this book and I wanted it to get into bookstores at that time, being self-published had a, st a stigma. You know, people didn't think self-published books were quality books. Okay. So I put mm. a company name on the back of my okay. book, True Vine Publishing Company, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I wow. put it out there, and and I took it to Barnes & Nobles just to see if I could wow. you know, sell it to a bookstore. And they bought four copies right there on the spot, right? Wow, so, man. Like, this, is legit. this is legit. Like it's really yeah, worth it. That's the hustle. Yeah. Next thing I know, man, people start coming to me. Hey, will you help me publish my book? And it was tough, man. My first client. And I don't know if I'm getting off. Y'all can cut me no, off. No, 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 no. Yo, yeah, we're good. This, look, this is a lesson for those who want to go into business. My first client. I was so afraid to charge people money. I was so intimidated. <laughs> To charge people money that I offered, I almost offered to pay wow. <laughs> money towards it because I was so afraid to say I want $1,500, right? Luckily, my first client was a childhood friend and she got frustrated with me. She was like, well, just call me back when when you figure it out. And, and that's how we ended the conversation. 
And that allowed me to like step out of that fear, man, and go back and ask for the money. And, you know, a lot of times people are afraid to ask for money. I know several entrepreneurs who always undersell themselves, undercharge because they're afraid to ask people for yep. money. Man. So, yep. No, I, I can definitely I, I, relate, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can definitely relate, man. First of all, uh, Timothy, man, there's so many, so many relative things that you said in that last know, statement. Right, right mm -hmm. man. Because uh, one, education wise, I'm exactly like you. First off, I was a class clown. Mm -hmm. Second of all, first of all, I'm a I'm a I'm a numbers guy, but I hated math. Believe it or not, you know what I'm saying. And I was the type that had to find my passion the hard way, you know. Uh, but luckily, I did, and I did search for it. You know, looking back back then, I was a candy guy. You know, me and my friends would buy you know candy from Smart and Final, you know, for ten dollars a box. And we, by the time after school came, we made forty bucks, and I loved that feeling. You know, yeah. I would buy a car for. $200 and I turn around and sell that car for $500. I love that feeling. And come to find out that was truly my passion. So when I tapped into that passion and it met the purpose, I forgot the quote, the exact quote you said in the beginning, but that's when I felt like I achieved success. Maybe not the, the, the billions of dollars financial success, but I achieved success to where it's like, man, I'm doing what I love doing on a daily basis. And, and this is that fulfilling factor, man. So Definitely, definitely, you know, can relate to you on that aspect. But, but, you know, again, I know you being so passionate and being able to chase this passion now, convert it over to a business and really, you know, go all in on it. You know, how did you, how did your spouse react to that? How, first of all, how did you, how did, did you meet her prior to this? And if so, how did you get her to flow over to this entrepreneur lifestyle that you were going after? So that is a wonderful question. That's a, actually a great question and a question that every entrepreneur needs to deal with. Okay. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. That's because why this podcast exists, this, man. Right. I've been married for 23 years. Oh, man. Kudos. Congratulations, uh, man. Three years, okay? And it's been my experience that every good marriage has opposite, uh, two people with opposite approaches to life. Right. I don't know if you've seen it, but this has been my experience. There's always a uh, extrovert married yep. to an introvert. There's always a risk taker <laughs> yep. married yep. to a safety person. Right. There's yep. always yeah. a yep. married to a saber. Right. Yep. Now, <laughs> you need that. You yep. need that because um, not to get off, but you need that because life is like a seesaw. Right. So if, if if you got somebody who's a spender and you a spender, right? Boom, y'all y'all got to spend all your money. If you got somebody who's a spender and then you got somebody who's a saver, balance each other off, right? Yeah. So my wife is totally anti-risk, right? This entrepreneurial life is not the life for her. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Got she, got she hates it. Okay. And I had to learn to appreciate what she brings to the table. Okay. okay. All you entrepreneurs out there, if you're in a relationship and you're struggling and you're saying, man, my wife doesn't support me, my husband doesn't support you. Don't look at it like that. Don't look at it like she doesn't support you. Figure out how she or he balances you, right? Because you you all you all are like me. We're we're all three of us on here are like 
what's the big opportunity? And I'm going to jump on it, right? I'm jumping on it. That can, that can get you in a lot of trouble, though, right? If you don't have somebody to balance you out, like, hey, let's think about this first, right? So my wife, like I said, she just, it took some time. It took some time until God brought me to a point where it was very clear, this is where you have to be. I'm going to tell you that story. September 2019, I have been publishing books for 16 years. Okay. I was doing it part-time, right? Because I, like I said, I'm not anti-work. I was doing it part-time because I needed those benefits. I need that health insurance, that 401k, right? I was ready to jump out and I'd say I'm going full-time. But I'm going to tell you something. When you're not following your purpose, you'll feel that frustration inside. You'll feel it. You may not even know what if what that is. You may not understand why you're so frustrated. Why you just don't like these jobs. Why you just can't, you know, really get comfortable, right? Yeah. Yeah. I never had pictures on my desk at work. I never did that. <laughs> Hell yeah. wanted to get comfortable, yep. huh? Yep. <laughs> well, you know, this Crazy. is not... I don't want to be yeah. here forever, right? So 20, 2019, September 19, 2019 was a Saturday. I told God, I said, God, I am tired of trying to be something, right? I'm tired. I said, I don't know what I don't know. I said, I told God, I said, if you want something more out of me, you're going to have to make it happen. Otherwise, I'm going to get comfortable in this job, and this is all I'm going to do. Okay, that's what I told God. September 21st was a Monday. I'm going to work. I log in because we were, this was COVID. I log in. I get an email. Hey, Tim, give me a call when you get in. I call my boss. He says, we're going to have to let you go. Man, wow. <laughs> he said, we just decided to go another way. To this I day, they never I asked for call. that. <laughs> They never asked for their computer back. I never got oh, wow. They just like cut it and ran. And I believe they ran because I probably had a lawsuit because yeah. in that business, you can't fire people for like performance because that will incentivize them to cheat the job that I had. So I think they just kind of like you're fired and just try to run off. Like, hopefully, yeah. you're good. I was right. Okay. So we'll let that go. So. I knew, but I didn't freak out because I knew what I just prayed that Saturday. I just prayed, God, if you want something more out of me, you got to make it happen, right? So I said, okay, my job now is my publishing company. I pick up the phone and I call a guy I've been talking to for nearly a year and a half, right? We've been talking on and off for a year about him publishing a book. I call him. I said, hey, just checking, man. You ready to this book like you know i'm like god i don't know what to do but i'm gonna take this step man I talk to this guy he says man you know what i've been putting this off way too long let's do it let me get my credit card boom right now this is a five thousand dollar deal he pays me half down right then i call another guy after that conversation i get that payment i call another guy and he does the same thing you know what man I'm tired of I'm tired of waiting. Let's do it. Bro, in that day that I got fired, I made three months income. 
right? That one day. And I have been going up ever since, right? So at this point, my wife knows, okay, this is where you're supposed to be. I know this is where I'm supposed to be, right? And I need, like for me, I need that. I need that rock yeah. bottom experience. Because yeah, then I yeah. know only God can take me from here, right? Correct. Yeah. If, if I had just jumped out and just been like, you know what, I'm going to do it on my own. When tough months come, like the last three months, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> when mm-hmm. those months come, I would have started doubting myself. And I was like, yeah, what did I do? Yep. Yeah, yeah, makes yep. sense. I mean, it, it, it makes sense because I think you and a lot of people we've interviewed are saying similar things in mm-hmm. preparation. But I yep. think... Most people have to understand to get into entrepreneurship, you have to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Don't see your nine to five as your enemy. I always say it is your friend. So make that transition when you feel you're ready financially, mentally, um, spiritually in your case, which is very important because I think some people maybe discredit that um, the conversation with um, the higher being God and that mm-hmm. type of stuff. And initially you also said you have a skill. I mean, you're an editor, so it's not like you just chose, because I mean, I think most people on the internet and not throwing shade, but it's just advice to young entrepreneurs to say, don't just pick something just because you see everybody making money with it. I mean, Rob did say your industry is probably not the one where it's sexy, but at the same time for you, you had a skill that you had perfected professionally that Mm -hmm. then translates into what becomes entrepreneurial for you. And as you transition from now that job to... I know you mentioned a few people within your network. What role did friendship, because earlier you did say a friend hired you and you almost felt like you wanted to pay them, but what role did friendship and your network play in helping you direct you into like a full-time, becoming a full-time publisher and building your own business? That's an awesome question, man. We've all heard the statement, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. That is a very, very, True statement. Okay. A good majority of my business, probably in the 90 percentile of my business, comes from personal referrals. Mm, wow. That's word of mouth. Still, yeah. word of mouth. Like, and and I, like I said, I'm talking about I've published books for people around the world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Around the country. All right. All right. Let me. Let me not flex. Like I hadn't been in Europe yet and I hadn't been in China and Asia, but you know, we're talking about people I never would have met if not and that people had not referred me. Right. So, so relationship in two ways that I'll talk about right now. One, you've got to have like you two are, you got to have that relationship with that accountability person, that person who pushes you. Right. To greatness, I got a I got a brother named Adrian Davis. He's my business partner. He's my 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 accountability partner. And there's a time where I said I'm I'm done with this publishing thing. I don't really want to do it no more. And he made a statement. He said, "I'll buy it from you." Now, I don't believe he wanted to buy my business from me, but what he wanted me to do was not throw it away. And by saying he'll buy it for me, the way he says I'll buy it from me, but but you're not throwing this away. Like you're not, I'm not gonna let you get rid of it, right? So he was he gave me that push 
just to take another step. And before you know it, more business starts coming in. And I'm now, I'm, you know, at a place where I'm making more money with this business than I've ever made before. And that accountability partner, that friend is, is has as much to do with this growth as anybody, you know, as any of my efforts. OK, uh, so so friendship is very important. Friendship with people who are pushing you to greatness, who celebrate you, who push you even when things look scary. You always got the people in your life who tell you, oh, I wouldn't do that. Don't do that. Oh, look at that. Look at that big hole in the floor or in the ground. Don't don't get near it. Like, and then you need somebody who's like, man, we can jump over it. Right? <laughs> like, I'll jump with you, right? Hey, hey, sometimes you may jump and you may fall and break your leg, but you both will get up and laugh and, and, and heal and get back to it, right? You need somebody in your life who does that. And then as far as friendships and connections, you gotta have you know, you gotta have strategic partnerships. You you gotta have people who who speak for you, who who advocate for you, who tell everybody about you, right? So it's been, like I said, ninety the ninety percentile of my business has come from my relationships. Man, that's. I mean, if if most people can get like that's a high percentage because yeah, that's real. a very high percentage in. Yeah. It, it says a lot about you, your personality, and your networking. So, I mean, kudos to that, man. Kudos yeah. to that. Right, man. Well, well, you know, Timothy, what would you say is the number one characteristic that leads to your success? You know, your friends. It, it seems like you're very tenacious. You're a man of faith. What would you definitely categorize as that one characteristic that led that has led you to success and keeps you at your level of success? I'm going to say consistency. And I look at consistency different than other people. When I think, when I say the word consistency, right, you probably get this notion of this person who's always going, always going, right? Runs into a wall, jumps up, get back on the wall, right? The soldier, the hero who's on the battlefield running, bullets are passing him, and he's just running, right? My notion of consistency is the person who stays on the battlefield. You might be crying. You might be crawling. You may stop and take a breath. You may curl into a corner and cry for a little bit, but you know, I'm going to get back on, I'm going to get back on my feet. I'm going to take the next step, right? That is the key to success. Right. That's the key to success. I heard somebody made an amazing statement. They said success is a hill that you stand on made up of all your failures. Yep. I can agree. Success is 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 a big hill of all your failures that you're standing on top of. Whereas failure is a big hill of your failures that you're sitting up under. Right. Yeah. Everybody, if, if, if you're going to be successful, you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have some scary moments. You're going to have some big victories, right? And then you're going to have those those valley moments. And you just got to keep going. And going doesn't mean you're always ready. Right, man. Well, you know, well, hey, go ahead. being consistent, you know, I can agree. You know, consistency is the key. However, you know, 
it's it's tough for for the new entrepreneur that's listening to this. For that current entrepreneur, it's tough remaining consistent across the board. Okay, and mm-hmm. it's you, you can be consistent in business, but you lack the family. You can be consistent right. in family, you lacking in the business. You can right. be consistent in business and family, you lacking in your career or your outside life with friendships and things of that sort. So, you know, I, I'm curious to know how do your like familial responsibilities with the family. No, how do they empower, challenge, or how do they affect your business journey? Because you're consistent in the business. How does that roll over into the family itself? So I I heard a pastor who said, you have to be okay with the fact that some days you'll be a great businessman and be a horrible dad. Wow. Sometimes you'll be a good dad and be a horrible businessman. Sometimes you'll be a great son and be a horrible husband, right? You got to become okay with the fact that you can't give 100% to everything and then figure out how to balance that, right? For me, everything I do, because of my childhood, you asked the question how my childhood played into this. No, not to speak poorly about my father, but my father was one of those businessmen where business was priority, right? So he wasn't at basketball games. He wasn't at baseball games. He would, When he came home, he'd take the phone off the hook because he was so stressed. He didn't want to deal with people. He'd take the phone off the hook, sit in front of the TV, fall asleep, right? So he wasn't engaged. And so for me, that said, I'm going the opposite direction. I'm going to be there for everything my kids do. I don't care what it is, right? And it also is my personality. I'm more of a, a spontaneous personality. So when it comes to family, that's top priority. That's for me, right? But there are days where I'm a better businessman than I'm a husband. There are days when I'm a better father than I am a businessman. So you just have to be okay with the fact. Like, here's the thing, man. We're always trying to be perfect and we're not. We're not perfect. Yep. Yep. I just so posted about that okay this morning, man. Yep. Yeah. Be okay with the fact you're not going to get it right every time. If your intentions are pure, your heart is pure, the people who love you, the people who you love, they're going to accept the fact, okay, he's got to work hard this week, but I know if I need him, he'll be right there. What if your clothing choices could make a difference in your community? Introducing Royal Dynamite, a t-shirt line founded in Los Angeles with deep roots in Sierra Leone. Our founders met in the U.S. with a passion for streetwear and a commitment to giving back to their community. With every t-shirt purchase, we donate a portion of our profits to support education and entrepreneurship programs in Sierra Leone and other parts of the world. Our t-shirts not only represent your personal style, but also your dedication to community and making a difference in the world. Join us in creating a world where your clothing choices are statement pieces and an extension of who you are. Shop now and make an impact. Use the discount code for 20% of your purchase, FAMBABRD20, F-A-M-B-A-B-R-D20. This will give you 20% off your first purchase. Go to royaldynamite.com, R-O-Y-A-L-D-Y-N-A-M-I-T-E, royaldynamite.com. Yeah, you got to know that. 
makes sense, man. I mean, that's that's some good stuff, especially like you say for because I think I I try not to use the word perfection in anything that I do because you know like there's this even this the simple saying for you, where, where lifetime now pr- practice makes perfect, and I'm just like, okay, can we change the word perfect? And because you tell people. Hey, you don't have to be perfect. Then <laughs> right. Next, next sentence. You say, "Hey, practice makes perfect." I'm like, we need to find a word to replace that word "perfect" in that particular sentence, so people don't just abuse it and use it and think like, "Okay, I, I'm going to be perfect," because nobody's yeah. perfect. So, I think that's you a know, very, very important thing that you mentioned, sure, But I don't believe in perfection. I believe in excellence. Okay, yep. I like that. Maybe we can yep. change. Uh, that. Yeah, practice right. Excellent. Yeah, exactly. Man. <laughs> practice. This makes excellence. So I you think that's a good one. You have an excellent effort. Yep. And still not be perfect, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Michael Jordan is probably. Oh no no no! Let's go. Current time. Steph. Steph Curry is probably closest to a perfect three point shooter that you can come to. Yep. Yeah, but he doesn't hit one hundred percent. Yeah, but nobody can say he's not an excellent shooter. Shooter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. As long as you are human, you're going to have errors, right? As long as you are human, you're going to make mistakes. That is that has nothing to do with being excellent and giving an excellent effort, excellent endeavors in everything that you do. So that's that's what I believe in. I've I've literally. Old clients that I don't believe in perfection. As you're saying that, as we transition, it makes sense because I think mind the mind is is the most important and valuable thing we have as human beings, especially when it comes to executing life and all that good stuff. Going back into your publishing business, I think one of the things that I'm curious to know myself, and I'm pretty sure people are curious to find out, is what kind of a mindset. Do, does one need it or, or do you kind of have to take well i mean because you, you you talk to people who say you want to write books right and you kind of have to figure them out and then you say okay what does it take to convince them that they're going to either be a successful author or on or, or even just getting to the point of writing it because like right now you probably couldn't i don't know what it takes i just like i have a story to tell but my mind's not there like how do you help people make that connection for okay this is how you get over that hump. And then, because it is a path to success, but so what kind of a mindset, what's the mindset process to get into becoming a successful author? There is one of the most important mindsets to have, and that is the mindset of execution. Okay. Right. I like that. Decisions just decide to do it. And that's where so many people fall off the way. They believe that they have to get some kind of emotional or spiritual revelation and, and and people need to confirm that I just see on you that you're going <laughs> to write a book. Right? And the most successful people execute. Period. Yep. If you want to write a book, start writing. If you want to be successful and sell books, Start selling, right? There's a scripture that said, in all labor, there is profit. That means everything you do is going to produce some kind of a result. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, if I decide I'm going to go out and sell 20 books today, the only limitation is my mental limitation that says, 
I just talked to one person and they said, no, so I'm going to, I'm going to stop. No, you keep asking until you sell that 20th book. That may take 20 minutes. That may take 20 hours, but you do not stop until you achieve what you said you're going to achieve. And there is nobody in the world that says you finally made it. You're an official author. No. Now, the second mindset that I think that you have to have is a mindset of service. Okay. Writing a book is not about writing some amazing manuscript. Writing a book is about helping people solve problems. Okay. So we talked, so we, we talked before when we first started the interview and you were telling me all the different things you had to learn to get to where you are right now. Yeah. And even though you don't, even though you're not like Seth Rogen or whatever his name is, right? Yeah, yeah. You learned some skills and some knowledge to get from point A to point B. And there are people who are at negative zero, right? Looking at you saying, I want to do that one day. Yep. And so for Cecil and Raphael to say, you know what, we're going to write a book about how we got to where we are today. That's a valuable book because it solves problems. It helps people to understand how to get from where they are to where they want to be, even though you're not where you want to be, right? Yeah. Yep. Or where you want to be. But you're gotcha. somewhere. Yep. So writing a book like is not about being a deep intellectual person. It's about what information do you have that you can share with someone, someone. In, in, in written form so that they can go back and read it multiple times until they get it. Right. Right. Legacy, <laughs> right. Legacy, all that. Exactly, man. Now, dope, man. It, it is, man. And, you know, I, I hear the two mindsets, you know, but I also I also think that is a new elephant in the room, Timothy. And this new elephant in the room, I want to know what your mindset is toward that. And that new elephant in the room is AI. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, your skill set has brought us all the way to the point where they've they've artificially created this skill set in a computer. What's your mm -hmm. one question one? What's your mindset toward AI and how it's revolutionizing this sector? And two, how do you embrace it? Because at the end of the day, you still got mouths to feed. You still have a business to run. This is still your passion. This is life for you. How? Yeah. What's your, yeah? What do you feel about? It? Where are you gonna? I mean, how are you gonna embrace this new elephant that just popped up in the room? It's definitely a game changer. That that's no. There's no denying like AI is a game changer. I have played around with it. I have. I literally had like a two hour business coaching session with AI, right? And it was a very, a very helpful, right? So yes, in this life, man, in this life, you have two choices. You can be a victim of something or you can, you can utilize whatever it is to, to, to shift and, and take you to the next level, right? So, you know, when it comes to writing books, I don't, I don't deny the fact, right? Uh, you can get on AI and you can say, Hey, write a chapter about this and AI will start typing stuff. Right. And the question is, is that if that's all you want 
is to write some words and, and put it out, then you can do that, right? So, you know, how do I use AI? I use AI to help enhance my writing process. I, I won't lie about that. If I got a topic in my head and I'm I'm stuck at a point, then it, it's like having somebody right there to say, hey, man, what do you think about this? And then they can start spouting out information that's like, oh, that's a good point. Let me write about that, right? You know, you got to use it. You got to use it. But it's definitely a game changer for the publishing industry. And, and my job is to is to uh, pivot and figure out where I go. Yeah. Right. Because I'm not going to I'm not going to allow it to become a destructive force in my life. I'm going to figure out how do I jump on it and, and, and benefit from it. Man, that makes makes perfect sense, like you said, because at the end of the day, it's it's like everything else that has come okay. the internet and then social yeah. media and I mean I think that's the beauty of entrepreneurship I think we adapt and maybe yeah. maybe this is where I think and, and and not because not every that's where the education system maybe doesn't align with everything else because even if you look into fields like science and the medical field I mean they're constantly adapting but then there's this piece which is the, the way we learn education specifically in the classroom that hasn't really adapted much. I mean, it has, don't get me wrong, but it's not adapting as fast as all the things that are coming because yes, I mean, now we look at AI and it, we're calling it the elephant in the room instead of it just being somebody that walks in the room that becomes exactly what you said, the person now you bounce ideas off of versus it being this big thing where you're like, oh my God, is it going to crush me or how do I figure it out? <laughs> you know, so... I think that's that's you you kind of broke it down that way that made it very like if you see it that way, then that and everything else that we we utilize in entrepreneurship becomes something that we could use for as a force to help us enhance what we're doing versus um um destruction. But now another thing that we've kind of talked about, which you've mentioned uh, multiple times, one you mentioned uh, and I, I'm repeating this again when you lost your job and you called all these people in your network and you got three months worth of salary in a day. And also the time you felt like you were, you had to pay your friend now in the book writing process. I mean, cause uh, like Ralph and I said, we don't know anything about this stuff. Um, what does it take for someone to write a book? I mean, from a cost perspective, what kind of funding, because this is a business now they're not doing this as like, oh, let me just, I mean, let me just write a book. Like money got to come from somewhere. So what what opportunities are for funding are out there for them to be able to get through that process to make people feel empowered enough as the audience needs to know like, hey, how do I get now from all this idea and execution to putting this book out and making it a reality? Yeah. yeah. I love that question. I got a couple of answers for it. First of all, we always hear it takes money to make money, right? We've heard yeah. that statement. That that is false. It takes ideals to make money. It takes ideals, right? Okay. Uh, when I put out my first, my second book, when I put out my second book, once again, I lost my career job mm-hmm. and I had no money. Okay. Yep. I had no book. I've created a book. I've created a book cover. I created a ticket. And I said, I'm selling books. I said, I'm selling tickets to my book, my book release party. 
I hadn't even finished the book. I sold tickets to a book release party that I hadn't even finished the book. Yeah. And I made nearly $5,000 selling pre-sold, pre-sold books of a book that didn't exist. I was working on it. One of my mentors, one of my mentors, he went to Manpower with T.D. Jakes. Okay? He, he created a book cover on a piece of paper. He wrapped it around another book. Wow. He had an opportunity to speak in Manpower. All right? So that's a big opportunity. Yeah. Okay? Big time. Yeah. He had an opportunity to speak at Manpower. He wrapped a fake book cover around another book. He got up there and he gave his testimony about how he went to jail and, and now he's a millionaire from, you know, cutting hair. And then he said, I got a book I'm going to write. And and if you want a copy, you can see me in the back. He had $100,000 worth of orders. Man. When he left there, he hadn't even written the book yet. Man. He gets home, he tells his mama, I, I need to write a book. Because yep. <laughs> I got oh, all of these checks from my book. Well, he hadn't written the book, so he sat his town down and he wrote a book. That's what I'm saying. It's not about being uh, an amazing, great writer. I've had writers, I've had writers who were like Ivy League, you know, scholars, and they sold 200 books if they sold that. And then I've had writers who were right out of jail, just wanted to tell how they changed their lives, and they sell books, hundreds, thousands of books, right? It's not about the quality of the writing. It's about the person getting out there and, and spreading their message. So the story, like you said, changing, it's helping people. That's the whole point service. So if your story is helping people, then there is a connection. I always say this, there's all, everything we do, life is a story. And if you, your story can create an emotional connection with other people, then your, your community grows. So right. let me um, ask you if, if Raphael calls you on the phone, do you all speak in perfect grammar and English? No, nah, we don't even speak English. Well, sometimes. Uh, <laughs> right. So the notion that my book has to be perfect, there's a comma out of place. Nobody cares about that, that comma. Yeah. What are you saying in this book that's going to help me solve problems in my life? That's what matters. Solutions right? to problems. Solutions no, to problems. Exactly. That's what it matters. And, and Cecil, we can relate to... We can relate to what Timothy did when he drew in that five grand pre-order or his friend, because, you know, we did that once with our clothing line, Royal Dynamite, the t-shirts we're wearing now. And we first created our Freetown design, the capital city of Sierra Leone. And this thing was on fire. We had created a couple of collections, Timothy, and they sold out, sold out, sold out. And we said, you know what, man, the demand is there. Let's pre-order these sweaters, this collection, and take that money to produce and bang, we dropped that thing, 10 grand within a couple of days, took that, produced, and then we went, ahead, went out ahead and shipped the orders to the customers. Seamless. Right. I mean, you know, as so, long as you fulfill your promise. So just yeah, like of I said, we, we, we weren't like, hey, like, like you said, he sold books and then he went home and wrote a book. So it's the same right. thing. We made a website, we sold t-shirts, and then we kind of went home and made a t-shirt and said, hey. You will get your T-shirt in three weeks as long as you're okay with that. You've already give if you give me the money, that means you're okay with it. And we had to just fulfill on our promise and go with that. Things that people use as excuses: I need more money. I need to. Be, I'm a perfectionist. These are all fear tactics. These are all fear fear responses. 
right? Perfectionism. I don't have money. I don't have time. I, I have a statement. I say, don't be a scaredy cat. Yeah. People are scaredy cats. They're worried about cash, ability, and time, right? Yeah. I was cash, ability, and time. I don't have the money. I can't do that. I don't have the time. Don't be a scaredy cat, right? Gotcha. That's, That's about money. About. E- money equals an ideal plus execution. That's how you get like money. That. That, that that's a double gem right there, man. We gotta post those yeah. too, man. For I real. mean, I, I I like that because at the end of the day, it, I I always say to myself, I've never thought of myself as a perfectionist. Like the word, like when people say I'm a perfectionist, I have to get things right. But I I do procrastinate, and sometimes that procrastination comes from my fear of thinking too much, thinking too ahead into the future of what the results could be. And that, I mean, I think that's why I have Ralph, as you always say, you need that accountability partner who then says, dude, just execute. I mean, we've all talked about the old Tunu thing and I kept thinking about every yeah, aspect yep. of it. And he says, dude, yep. just get the car, dude, just do yep. this, just do that. Like you have to do it for you to find out and you have to fail for you to figure out like, okay, this didn't work. Now I got to fix it this way. Or you ask the question, Hey, how does this work? And you say, well, this is what I do. So try it this way. And. So I, I like all those things that you said that really help the mind of an entrepreneur understand that, I mean, it takes patience, it takes commitment, it takes, I mean, you have to, the reps, you, you need the reps. I mean, like for us, we are interviewing, we've had reps in there and we're getting better and we hope to get better and we want to grow. So the only way that's going to happen is when we do this. If we don't talk to people, we're just going to have an idea that we want to, we want to launch a podcast and everybody's going to be asking, so when are you launching this podcast? And you're going to come up with so many excuses as yeah. to why you haven't done it yet. When you just like, just put it out there, make the mistake and let, let society help you figure it out. Cause that's what we're here no for. So small thing, man, it's not a small thing. What you're doing for anybody who's doing anything. It's not a small thing because there's so many people out there. Who are saying they want to do it and they don't do it. Every yeah. action has a reaction. Every time we do something, we learn something. If we do something wrong, we learn the right way to do it. Or we learn a different way to do it until we figure it out. Bubblegum was a creation that was a, a failure. It was a failure. <laughs> but they found out that, oh, we could chew this and it never dissolves and they created bubblegum, right? Yeah. Everything yeah. you do is going to create something. Hey, yeah. like like it says Nike, just do it. Just do it. Just most do successful it. brand in the world. One of the most successful brands in the world. And it's saying is just do it. So, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. But, Tim, I wanted to ask you before we even let you go. I know we're taking up a lot of your time. But do you have any upcoming projects that, I mean, because people hear all this stuff, they learn all this stuff, but they need to know where where can they find you, but also what yeah. do you have upcoming that they can latch on to to learn more? Yeah. So th- I appreciate this opportunity. You know, for, like I said, going on 20 years, I've been publishing books, producing books, and chasing people and asking people to let me publish their books. And I had to take a step back and realize, okay. like, what is it that people want? You know, why, why do I have to chase people? Yeah. And it's because most people don't know what steps are needed 
to to succeed. Like you've been asking me this whole time, like what does it take? What does it take, right? Mm -hmm. And so I put together six steps that I call legacy steps. I believe authors are legacy creators, right? When we write books, we're leaving a legacy to the world. We're leaving a legacy to our families. And so I believe that steps for me means strategic thinking and execution for publishing success, right? Okay. I want you to really think about how simply how simple this is. If you come up with a strategy and you execute it, no matter what you're trying to do, you're going to find success, right? You're going to find success. So we just need to break down what is the strategy? How do we write a book? How do we approach publishing the book? How do we write the book? How do we address the publishing industry as a whole? How do we address marketing and branding? How do we address sales, like practical sales, like your door-to-door salesperson, right? That is a skill that I believe published authors need to understand. And then how do you scale your book from book to business? How do you turn your book into a business, right? Because that's where your real money is. Like books, books are not your money makers. Like what you do with that book, with that opportunity is where you're going to make your money, right? Okay. For me, for me, my book created a business, right? I've made more money. I'm, I can make more money in a day than I can make selling books in a, in, in a month, right? Mm -hmm. Because that was the, that, that was the platform it created for me. Okay. For you, it might be public speaking. It might be a coaching program. It might be, you know, whatever. So how do you scale your book? from book to business. So I have a, a training that I'm doing on a regular basis. Okay. And I have a number of different trainings that are comprised in this legacy steps. And so if you go to legacy-steps.com, okay. you'll be able to see the different trainings that we have. And what I want to do, my goal is to take you step-by-step step to the publishing of your book, right? Teach you how to write your book. I even help a lot of my coaching clients. I I write with them. It's called I call it co-writing. I write with them. I want to teach you how to market and sell your book. I want to teach you how to brand yourself. I want to teach you how to scale your book into a business. And then we create the book, and get you out there. So I want to take you through that whole process. So legacy-steps.com. If you're ready to publish your book now, of course, I want you to go to truevinepublishing.com. And if you're in that, if you're a person who says, I do want to write a book, but I'm not ready to have that conversation yet, I want you to just text my book, M Y B O O K, to 21000. Just tell people. My book. To 21000. And what that's going to do is we're just going to become friends by text message. Networking. And you information that, that I'm doing, any free webinars I'm doing, any kind of motivational information. And let's just let me be there for you as you get to the point where you're ready to publish your book. Awesome. Perfect, man. That's some great information, people. There you exactly. have it. You know where to find. Tim in right. all the different places. So, but before you go, I have three quick questions, like a fire round question that I want to ask you, and hopefully people could take from this, and yeah. then we can let you go. The first one is: you meet a new entrepreneur. What's the first piece of advice you give them? 
You cannot be everything to your business. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, people can be everything to your business. Second one, what is a good digital resource that helps you greatly? 17hats.com. 17hats? All right. 17hats.com. If you are a person, especially like me, who has a lot going on, uh-huh. you, yeah. you put you want to systematize and automate things. 17 has gives you templates. I don't have to worry about uh how what kind of a proposal do I need to send? I just got it all right there. Click, click, click. I'm sending off invoices, I'm sending off contracts. Wow. I'm a digital Yo, person. These- That's the first time. So I like that one. I'm writing that one myself. Hey, for so real, I already wrote it down. Man. People. Exactly. Yep. And the last one is what advice would you give to a new father and a husband? Oh, new father and a new husband. Enjoy the moment okay. with your children. Enjoy okay. the moment you are in. We are always waiting for the next moment. I can't wait till they can crawl. I can't yep. wait till they can walk. I can't yep. wait till they can talk. I'm telling you, 20 years ago by, and you'll be like, wow, I missed a lot. I messed up a lot. Enjoy the moment while you're in it. And for, for husbands, Learn to communicate. Learn to say words. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Right. Women communicate yep. and you learn to communicate. I'm telling you, you have a way better marriage. Man, no that's, doubt, man. that's some good stuff. Something yeah, I need man. to note down because I, I, I think I'm a, a decent communicator, but I know I can improve my communication. So I like that, man. I'm the communicator's for the way, man. Hey, man. I'm oh, yeah. Man. Exactly. That, but so, but, but yeah, to man, be realistic, I mean, Timothy, man, that's, that's actually been the key, man. That's something that I've been working on wholeheartedly. Um, I, I would say, honestly, man, realistically, over the past four months, you know what I'm saying? You know, where I'm breaking down that, you know, that bravado, you know, shield that I have and really expressing my feeling, really express because honestly, that's fellas, that's how I'm gonna get my result. You know what I'm saying? So like, hey, yo, I'm not really feeling this. And if there is a change there, I get the result that I yearn for versus, you know, living in turmoil. So yeah, man, that's the key gem. You know, everybody listening, Timothy laced you guys with some solid, solid gems. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for listening. That's been a great episode with Timothy Bond once again on Family Man Building a Brand. Make sure to follow us on all platforms that you're listening to all your favorite podcasts on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Music, wherever it is. Make sure to subscribe and make sure to leave us a five-star review and leave us feedback on that exact platform. Thanks again for listening in, y'all. It's been great. Thanks, Tim, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for the opportunity, man. That's it for today's episode of Family Man Building the Brand. We hope we left you with a ton of value from this episode. If you like what you heard, feel free to leave us a rating and a review. This helps our show gain traction with other listeners just like you. You can join our community by subscribing and following Family Man Building the Brand on your favorite podcast platform. Remember, we're family and together we build.